Well, it's great to be here. Thanks, Chris, for that welcome. I was trying to think of uh, a response, really, in terms of um, what a great guy Chris is, but it was a struggle, so I gave up. <laughs> so, thank you, Chris. Thank you for inviting me, you guys. Uh, though you didn't, did you? <laughs> but here I am, and uh, it's great to be here. So good to see you. I'm on a, I'm on a uh, bit of a campaign. The campaign is to re install Martha as a major figure in the New Testament. See, you know about Mary, don't you? And Martha and Lazarus. So that's the story we'll be looking at today. Okay, are you excited? It's great to have a responsive congregation. Thank you so much. You're very good. Last night we had the church party uh, New Year's party, and uh, we gave out some awards, and one of the awards I gave out was for the smiliest person during preaching. And so I shall be looking out for a similar award this morning, the smiliest person in preaching. What we're going to do today is look at faith, because you are, I understand that uh, you're going to start a new series next week, is that right, um, on the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. I listen. And, um, well, faith is such a central part of moving in the Spirit, isn't it? And faith is such a central part of our lives. And I don't know about you, but I find that difficult sometimes. Do you find that difficult? Faith sometimes for us can be a difficult, uh, a difficult test for us. And so this morning we're going to look at Martha's faith. And we're going to see how Jesus stretched Martha into a place of real new faith for her as Lazarus is raised from the dead. Okay, so uh, we haven't got a lot of time, so I'm going to belt through the story now and and we'll go back and look at a few verses uh, when we finish the story. But it's a familiar story, but it's good to read familiar stories, isn't it? You're right, guys. Okay. Okay, so John chapter 11, verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated In the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whenever you ask, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. 
Now skip to verse 38. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he's been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Lord, just bring it to life for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so Martha took some steps of faith. And the first step of faith that she took was to come out to meet Jesus. Notice that uh, this is a place Jesus loved to come to. Martha, Mary, Lazarus' home was a place where he sort of went uh, quite often, I would guess, for retreat and recuperation and rest. It was a place that he loved to be. He loved this little unusual family, two sisters and a brother living together. And uh, he obviously loved to be with them and loved this place. And he'd left it deliberately for several days before going there. And so during this time, obviously, the mourners gathered. And you know what Middle Eastern mourning is like, don't you? Oh, all that stuff, yeah? Lots of it. And lots of crying and wailing. And Martha leaves that when she hears Jesus is coming. Someone obviously ran ahead or something and said, Jesus is coming. And she goes out to meet him outside the village. She rushes to be with him. This is her first step of faith. To walk away from the noise and the chaos and the distractions of the difficulty that she's in and get to the peace of Jesus. You can imagine, can't you, out there on the edge of the village, you know, there's Jesus arriving in the village. Maybe he sits down on a wall or something. I just imagine this picture of him sitting on a wall, the disciples all standing around just before they enter the village, just having a quick breather before he hits the crowds again. And Martha comes running up, and she comes next to him. This is the place of peace. She sits on the wall next to him. This is the place of peace, to be with Jesus. When you're facing an issue, when you're facing a problem, you know, we can let it run round and round and round, can't we, in our heads. We can let it stir us to noise and chaos. Or we can run to Jesus and say, Lord, give me your peace. 
So that's her first step. It's like she takes a big step <laughs> into more faith. And then she sort of steps back a bit again. She sort of slides back slightly. She's taken this big step, but now she says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. It's, a, it's something, obviously, that she and Martha discussed. Martha is, uh, says the same thing. Mary says the same thing later. But obviously, the, the, the family had discussed this. If Jesus had been here, he would not have died. So what are they saying? What's Mary saying in this? Mary is saying, I know, Jesus, you could have healed him. Isn't that great? So you think, well, that's faith. I know, Jesus, if you've been here, you could have healed him. But no, I don't think that's the step of faith Jesus wants her to take. Because what she's saying is, I have experienced you healing people. I have seen you heal people. In my history, in my memories, you heal people. So I know you heal people. And if you'd been here, you loved Lazarus, I'm sure you would have healed him. But now he's dead, it's beyond your power. You see, she was limited by her experience. Her faith hit this experience barrier. I've seen this. What have you seen? You know, I've seen, do you know I've seen people, I saw years and years ago, a man get out of a wheelchair and not get saved. Got out of his wheelchair, walked, did not get saved. Amazing. I've seen all sorts of things through, through my life. Of, of healing, God's healing. Miracles here and there. Unfortunately, as far as I'm concerned, not enough. I'd love to see more. But I haven't seen things I would have liked to have seen. And the question is, how much is my experience holding me back? Because we're such rational people, aren't we? You know, I've seen it, I've touched it, therefore it's real. And Martha was held back by her experience. And she said, Jesus, I don't believe you've got the ability to raise someone from the dead. Okay. Next step. In verse 22, we're going through the scriptures here. You see in verse 22... But even now I know, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. It's like having stepped back a bit into her experience, she then takes another big step forward. She says, but even now I know, what does she know? She knows that Jesus has a relationship with Father that he can call upon. She knows there's a relationship here, father-son relationship. She knows that that means something in terms of the power of God being in her presence, being with her now. 
But I know, she says, looking at this man beside her, that whatever you ask Father God in heaven, he will do. It's great, isn't it? You know, in these days, uh, do you worry sometimes that we, we sort of tend to get into this systematic healing? You know, I have to say the right prayer. I have to say the right words. I have to do the right things. I don't know if it's apocryphal, and I'm in the vineyard now, so I suppose this is where the truth is. But... Uh, <laughs> I'm told that the reason that people used to have their hands, when they pray for people, hovering, you know, that much above people's heads, was because, uh, you know, everyone did it. And the reason was that in California, in Wimberland, it was very hot and sticky. And so you didn't actually want to touch a sticky head. Is that right? But all around the world, people were doing, you know, not actually touching people because, you know, that's how you did it. We can get caught up in the mechanics. We can think, we can twist God's arm in a sense by going through the rules. This is what you do. And what we have to learn in faith, I think, is that it's not rules, it's relationship. See, Jesus had this relationship with God where they talked one with another. And so when Jesus wept and when Jesus said, Father, I know you hear me, it's all about relationship. And he would express to God his desire that this person be raised from the dead. It would be an expression of desire and an expression of faith and belief that that would then happen. And so she recognizes this relationship, big step forward. Now verse 24. Martha said to him, I know he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So she says, she's like a yo-yo. She, so she says, Lord, it's great to be with you. But if you'd been here earlier, he would have been healed. But Lord, even now I know that whatever you ask, and Jesus says, he'll rise, he, he'll rise, he'll rise again. He'll come to life. Oh, Well, I know he'll come to life in the last day. And she takes this step backwards. Oh, yes, Jesus says, he'll come to life. And it's like Martha says, oh, what now? Oh, I'm not sure about now. Are you asking me to have faith for the now? Oh, I know he'll rise again in the last days. It's like a fallback position. We can say... Yes, I have faith for the last days, but I don't have faith for the now. And that's what she's like. She says, yes, yes, Lord, I know he will rise again on the last day. I've learned that from you. I believe that. 
But now, huh? Isn't that how we are sometimes? And look at us, we're Christians. What do we believe fundamentally? That we live in a supernatural realm that we are in contact with the one who will change everything, who will take this earth and throw it away and create new, and we will be with him forever. That's what you believe, don't you? Isn't that amazing? It's an extraordinary vision that we have of the future. It's, it's amazing. It is utterly, utterly different to a non-Christian's expectation. We have this faith for the future. But it's a supernatural future, guys. It's a total change in the physical realm. So why can't we believe for total change in the physical realm now? And that was Martha's issue. Oh, I can put it, I can believe for that. That's the future, you know, that's out there. <laughs> I don't actually have to exercise faith for the now. And Jesus responds to her beautifully, doesn't he? I am the resurrection and the life. This verse that has been so used evangelistically for so many centuries was actually used in the context of helping Martha to gain faith. It wasn't used evangelistically. Jesus was not trying to convince her in that way. He was trying to help her to move forward in faith. I am the resurrection and the life. And she has this response, verse 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who's coming into the world. There she is sitting on this wall with Jesus, and she's looks at this man next to her and she says, yes, Lord, I believe you are the Messiah. The one the whole nation's been waiting for for centuries. I believe you are the one right next to me so that I can touch, I can feel you're the man who is the son of God. It's a tremendous statement, isn't it? It's a huge statement of faith. It's like she takes this great leap of faith and she says, yes, you're the one. You're the Messiah. Whoa, hallelujah. Huh. Do you know there's only one other person in the New Testament who says something like this? You know it, don't you? Peter. And Jesus says, what do the crowd say? Oh, they say, you're Elijah. They say, what do you say? And Peter steps forward with this great statement of faith. But you are the Messiah. You're the Son of God. See, you can put Martha up there alongside Peter. For centuries since, people have heard this statement of faith that Martha gave. She stepped into huge faith here. She was saying a wonderful thing. 
It's one of the great statements of the Bible, in fact. Our faith is always based on who Jesus is. It's who Jesus is. You see her her statement, even now I know that you and the Father can talk about this. It's a similar statement of of faith, of who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. I know you have this relationship, she says. Jesus, you're the Son of God. Our faith is based on who Jesus is. Not a set of rules. When it comes to issues of faith for us, we're talking about a relationship. Our relationship with the King of Kings. There is no one greater. That's what she's saying here. There is no one greater. You are the greatest. You are truly the one who is all-powerful. You are truly the Messiah. And so they come to page three in my notes. They go to the tomb. You know, there's the, we didn't read the little passage about Jesus and Mary, but uh, we, we come straight to the, to the tomb here, verse 36. Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It's interesting, isn't it, that uh, in that passage that we didn't read, this is the shortest verse in the Bible, yeah, that all Bible were. All Sunday school kids in my day used to know Jesus wept. Two words. And deeply moved again. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was, Jesus knew that in a few moments this man was going to rise from the dead. Jesus knew that he was going towards probably one of the greatest miracles he did while he was on earth. He was about to come to a resurrection demonstration. Of the power of God. And yet he was still deeply moved. Because of his love for people. Because of his love for their situation. Because of his love for the difficulties that they faced. And how he could identify with that. He loved Lazarus. He loved to be with Lazarus. He loved Lazarus' company. He loved Martha and Mary, and he hated to see what sin does to our lives. So they come to the tomb, and he says, take away the stone. Now, this is the point at which Martha's household orientation, her housekeeping feelings, her whole nature of sweeping up and washing up comes to the fore. As she, like an elastic band that is stretched to its limits and then let go, she spins right back 
to the beginning. All the, it's like all the steps of faith that she's taken are suddenly pinged back to zero. Jesus, he'll stink. It's going to be smelly in there. Pastor Domestos or whatever, you know. It is, it is not to be done. Jesus, there will be a mess and a stink and it'll be horrible. Let's not do this thing. <laughs> a huge step backwards. And Jesus deals with it in Jesus' way. Isn't he wonderful? The way he deals with it. See, some people might read this. You can read this in different ways. Jesus said to her, verse 40, you can read that in different ways. Jesus said to her, didn't I tell you, stupid woman? For goodness sake, get a grip. I only talked to you a few moments ago about this. Didn't we agree? That you'd see the glory of God. God dear, how much longer have I got to carry on with these people? Or, he said, Martha, come on. Come on, remember what I said? Come on, Martha. Let's do it. Come on. Remember, you'll see the glory of God. Will you take that step? Now, the Bible doesn't tell us, but I reckon that she did. Because I reckon that at that point, she's basically in charge of the household and the stone. And, uh, you know, when Jesus said, roll back the stone, I guess that the guys who were ready to roll back the stone looked at Martha and said, hmm? And she said, no! But now she said, yeah, roll back the stone. She got there. She arrived at the stretch of faith as the stone was rolled back. In our heart was the joy that resurrection was coming, that Lazarus was coming to life. And what happened next? Well, it's the, the famous bit, isn't it? Jesus cries out. And you can imagine this crowd all around, the, around the, the cave. You know, they're all standing there, gathered around. And Jesus cries out, Lazarus, come out! And there's this noise. And this figure shuffles out, covered head to foot in grey clothes. You can imagine it, can't you? The women all go, oh! <laughs> and the blokes all go, I love the humor of the Bible, don't you? And Jesus says, untie him. Set him free. He's alive. Hallelujah.
So the issue for us is, is Jesus going to stretch your faith? Is he going to take you on journeys of faith in the next few weeks that stretch you? That cause you to go beyond your experience? Take you into new realms? Because he's alive too. Forever. Amen. Amen. Well, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this wonderful story. And we thank you for the joy that Martha will have known. And Lord, we want to be those ready to hear your voice. Those of us who are in relationship with you want to hear your voice again and again, Lord. We, we love to hear your voice. Help us to recognize it and to step out with joy and faith. In Jesus' name. Amen.